Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. McKenzie with you again on another Monday evening. I pray that your Sunday service was full of the presence, the power, the glory of God. God really graced us yesterday uh, with his presence, the manifestation, demonstration of um, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, enthronement of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God was prevalent. Uh, he demonstrated himself, and uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ received all of the glory. We're living in the last of the last days, and I uh, really believe that God is uh, preparing us. Um, I really believe this here. He's he's really calling us back to Genesis chapter one, <clears throat> and what I mean by back, uh, we really start going back. Uh, ever since of the cross, humanity was going in one direction. When Jesus died on Calvary's cross, that was to take humanity back. Back to the original assignment that God gave mankind, Adam. To take dominion of the fish of the sea, to follow the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. And I was kind of uh, before the Lord today, not kind of, I was before the Lord today, basically all day today, uh, but this morning, I intended to go to a gym, I haven't been there in a few days, and uh, just got caught up in uh, looking at some principles here, uh, talking to God, because uh, there's some things I just do not understand, and uh and I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at those that are around me, and one of the things I cannot comprehend, and I know it's satanic and demonic, that uh, we can uh, confess to be saved, but there's no conviction. Uh, we call him our Lord and Savior, but there's no conviction. Either we are satanic agents because it's almost impossible for us to be saved, have a knowledge of the word, and when the Spirit of God convict me, nothing happens. But I go on living the same way. Usually when we sin, we get convicted, we get it right. And But when there's no progression in it, progression... Uh, and uh, getting it right, we have to examine ourselves. Something is wrong. Uh, one of the strengths that God used to use me more mightily in when we first started church was in the areas of, of uh, well, always, always the gifts of the spirit always were functioning, but in areas of deliverance, uh, a lot of that was taking place during that particular time. Uh, as I began to examine this, why did it wane, uh, what went wrong, uh, why there was less deliverance. And really deliverance was Jesus' ministry. He he uh, um, he taught the gospel, then he demonstrated the gospel. He always preached, then he laid hands on people, cast out devils. And that really be the, should be the... Uh, the pattern of all of us preachers. I don't believe that we should have a um, a be identified as a Baptist, as a Methodist, as a Pentecostal, as a full gospel. I know for a fact that these things come to divide us. And I believe that the authority and the power of God wanes when we begin to put more focus on our denomination. It wasn't like that when the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. 
basically everybody preached Jesus. They preached Jesus. So now we focus on we're so uh, divided, and it, it and the Bible says the house that's divided against itself shall fall. And Satan knows this better than all of us, so his goal is to divide. You ever heard the old saying, divide and conquer? So I believe that when we begin to focus on, um, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a full gospel, I'm a charismatic, I'm a Methodist, whatever. I don't really want to be associated with that, and this is the big one here now. Uh, we're uh, we're apostolic, we're apostolic and prophetic. That's that's the next one. We're apostolic and prophetic. So these things come to divide us. I really want to be identified as a son of God. I want to be identified uh, uh, as a man of God, or I want to be identified uh, with the ministry of the Lord Jesus. That's what I was looking for, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. My ministry is not Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, charismatic. Those things divide and conquer, even though... Uh, I am labored because uh, of who my covering is, but Jesus is Lord, and I believe when when all of us come come to the place that we can allow ourselves to be diffused from that. And Paul made a statement in the Word of God. He said, "I'm determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." That should be the thing that I'm looking for. Not you're an apostle, you're a prophet, you're evangelist, you're a pastor. You, you, you ever notice that the people that did this greatest uh, uh, work in the kingdom was the, the church uh, at Pentecost? Notice the greatest uh, of apostles of all times. Jesus was the greatest apostle. To me, the second greatest apostle, Apostle Paul. He never called himself apostle. Well, I wouldn't say he never called himself, but he wrote letters that the apostle. But it was always Paul. Paul this, Paul, 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 Paul. And how many of us apostles today and prophets and evangelist pastor teachers that we have affected the church world even half of a degree of what Paul did? These things come to conquer and divide. Uh, that's not really what we want to share about tonight. Uh, one of the things I really want to deal with, I think that need to become relevant in the body of Christ because the more I look into this thing and, 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 and what God has allowed me to encounter, I see that it's not a reality to the church. We, A lot of us have absolutely no clue concerning um, the manipulation of the powers of darkness against us. Paul made a statement in the word of the Lord that we are not to be ignorant concerning the devices of the enemy. He, he said we are not to be, but we are. If you, The average church, I personally believe that the congregation in America, I believe that the majority of us in America have not, uh, congregations, have never engaged and casting out devils. But yet, that's what we see taking place in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we see in the book of Mark when he says, these signs shall follow you. The end of Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick. So, and they will speak in new tongues. So, he said, these signs should follow them to believe. And my question would be, do I believe? He didn't say these signs should follow apostles, prophets, and pastor, teachers. How many, how many of us leaders in the body of Christ have cast out a devil? How many of us leaders in the body of Christ have laid hands on the sick and the sick was covered? So he said, Mark, either we're going to you know, walk in the full thing, are we not? We're going to believe. We're not going to believe. And, and it, it didn't say, "In these signs shall follow the apostles and prophets and the pastors." It said, "These signs shall follow them that believe." So, 
basically the majority of people in our churches is believers. Is these signs following our members? If they're not following us leaders, they're not going to follow them. And then if they are following us leaders and they're not following the people, then we are out of order. Our churches is out of order. Because the standard has always been, even from the time I, I was raised up in church, the standard has always been that the pastor is a one-man show. The pastor is it. The pastor is, is, the, is the bona fide man or woman of God. And so we don't see anything happening through what we would call, quote-unquote, the laity. Let me ask you this question here. If I ask the majority of our radio audience, do you believe in the fivefold ministry gift? In Ephesians chapter 4, that's what you call, the Greek word gift is doma. That's what you call the doma gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of spirit, that's what you call the charisma gifts. One is a body gift, one is a headship gift. The doma gifts is headship. The... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 gifts is body gifts. All of us is gifted. One really deals with character more than anything else, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if I actually do you believe, the majority of people are going to say, yeah, I, I, I believe in, in the, well, I, I wouldn't say everybody's going to believe in the apostle, prophet, and the pastor. Most people are going to believe in the evangelist, pastor, and the teacher. But more people is gaining more momentum in believing in the apostles and prophets. Uh, prophets have been more prevalent uh, than the apostles. Apostles' ministry just been really started being acknowledged uh, on a universal level, maybe I'll say, what, 10, 15 years now, uh, becoming more more prevalent. So if I ask you, do you believe in the five-fold ministry gift, the majority would, 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 would say yes. And I believe that uh, the pastors that join us uh, on this broadcast will, will agree the majority. But my question would be to us, is it possible the reason we're not seeing a greater level of, of, of the power of God in our lives and in our ministers? Because is it possible that we leaders are out of order? Are we doing what the Bible say? Or have we gone beyond our scope of ministry? Do we understand what our function is? If you look at the majority of the structure of our, all of our churches, the majority, not all, not all, but the majority of the churches, if you will look at the structure, it's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. You say, well, why would you say that, preacher? And this is no knock on anyone. I'm just talking, I'm sharing from a perspective of observation of what I see and what the Bible says. So, well, can you tell us what you're talking about, preacher? Well, now, before I tell you what I'm talking about, if a thing is out of order, it could never experience the force and the momentum that it could if it was in order. If that, it's going to, the force will be slowed down if it's out of order. It may get all the way through, but it could not get through as quick and as fast and as with as much force if it was in order. Heaven is the is our connector. I mean, it's not the connector. Heaven is the source of all things. The church is to be the agent to the world. The kingdom of God has come, and the kingdom flows through the church. Jesus said, which is the head of the church, before he died, he said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So the kingdom of God flows through the church. 
And notice what he said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, one translation said the, king, uh, the finger of God, which is the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you, or the rule of God has come unto you. Where do the kingdom of God come from? One day Jesus was praying, and his disciples saw him pray. He said, why don't you teach us how to pray? He said, we pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Where's the Father? In heaven. Hallowed be the name. Hallowed be the character of God. And that's another message by itself because the reason we don't see a lot of things happening because the name of God is not a reality to us. You cannot hollow his name if you don't know his name. And I'm not talking about knowing it intellectually. I'm talking about knowing it by revelation. In the example of that, when God cut covenant with Abraham, the first thing he did, he revealed his name to him, told him who he was. Then he brought him into covenant with him, and before he brought him into covenant, he promised him, if you would do this, I would do this. And because they understood back then, greater than we do in the Western Hemisphere, that the strength of a name is the strength of a person. The revelation of a name reveals everything about that person, his abilities, his characteristics, his attributes, his authority, how much authority he has, how much power he has, is in the name. Hollywood be thy name. The internal said, your kingdom come. Where's the kingdom coming from? It's come from heaven. He said, pray that way. Your kingdom come, <clears throat> for what reason? That your will will be done. So the will of God cannot be done apart from the kingdom. The kingdom comes for the will of God to be done, or the kingdom come in the earth to connect earth back with heaven. It's a connector. But the church is the agency or the agent that the kingdom flows through. Your kingdom come. For what, we, for what reason? That your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if the kingdom is here, not here, then the will of God cannot be done on earth as it is in heaven apart from the kingdom. So the kingdom have to come, that the will of, be, will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But notice it cannot be done if there is no instrument or channel for the kingdom to flow through for the will of God to be done and performed. Now, this kingdom that comes from heaven must be of the characteristics and the attributes of heaven. Can you see heaven? No. Can you see anyone that comes from heaven with your natural eye? No. You can't see angels, and we got plenty of them here. Can't see them. Can't see the kingdom. Luke 17.20 says, For the kingdom of God comes not with observation. No one will be able to see low here, low there. He said, for the kingdom of God is within you. It really don't read that way. That's the King James. The original text is that the kingdom of God is among you. It's among you. It's not in you. Because Jesus had not died and he wasn't glorified. So the kingdom, he was the kingdom. So going back now, he said, you pray this way. And if you ever notice too, he told his disciples to pray this way. If you, if you notice from the book of Acts on, you never heard nobody pray that way. I think Paul have about between three to five prayers he prayed. Colossians, you'll find all of them in, in uh, Ephesians, Colossians, 
mainly those two books, Colossians and Ephesians, you'll find the majority of Paul's prayers when you're praying for the church. And, I think, and, and one in Philippians. So you, you got, but you don't see Paul praying, Abba Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. He told them to pray that because the kingdom had not come. Kingdom is here, so you don't have to pray that. Kingdom came on the day of Pentecost through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, going back to what was the purpose. The purpose is that the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But do we see the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven in your personal life? As a born again and believe. The kingdom of God comes within us. It's in us now if you're born again. That the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God kind of had me in a vein of spiritual warfare lately. Matter of fact, it's really it's unintentional, but it's, it's been coming out of my spirit lately. Unintentional. So therefore, if there's anything that's going on with me, E.J. McKenzie, and I have the kingdom of God on the inside of me, it's my responsibility to release the kingdom of God in my spirit, soul, body, and command my spirit, soul, and body to come subject to the kingdom of God that the will of God will be done in me. But the problem with us is we want everybody else to do it for us. And what we leaders have done, we, we have created an ungodly, unbiblical system and a lot of us have done it ignorantly because we just followed the pattern of our forefathers. So that's what is right to us, the pattern that we see. And the reason I say it's ungodly, it is not biblical, is the pattern that we have established has caused the church to become weak. If the, if, and the reason I say it caused the church to become weak because if the pattern is not according to heaven, according to the word of God, if it's something else, it is designed to weaken the power of God in the church and through the church. So what do you mean? Well, Ephesians 4, he says, when he led captive the captive, captive, he gave gifts unto who? Men. He gave gifts unto men. He gave who? Gifts unto men. What was the gifts? It was men. But what was the men? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave gifts unto men. What was the purpose of these gifts? The Bible did not say the purpose of these gifts was preaching and teaching and prophesying, laying hands on the sick, even though these gifts are supposed to do these things. But that's what the Scripture says, though. I'm asking you what the Scripture says. It says, these gifts was given to men for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Wait a minute. They, these gifts were given for what reason? Equipping the saints for work of ministry. So these gifts are supposed to be equipping gifts. Your pastor is supposed to be an equipper. I'm supposed to be an equipper. Your apostle, your prophet, your teacher, your evangelist. These gifts are supposed to be equipping gifts. But we don't function as equippers. We function as doers. And, and now, watch this here. If we're supposed to be equipping and the people never get equipped, then what's happening? The church become weak. Know why the church is weak? Because we have a system of leaders. We have created a system of 
independence. The system that we have in the majority of our churches now is you you depend on the preacher. You come to the preacher for everything. And that's the revelation you don't have a relationship with God. So we're to equip you. We're supposed to be equipping you to do work of ministry, but you cannot do work of ministry if you don't know the minister. And I'm not talking about the preacher. I'm talking about Christ. So our first job is to equip you in a relationship with Christ to help you to do work of ministry. Now watch this right here. Watch this. Let me ask you this question. What is work of ministry? What is work of ministry? He said, we'd equip the saints for work of ministry. Equip the saints for work of ministry. Equip the saints for work of ministry. So what is ministry? If we're doing this, we're going to do this thing right, then we need to answer the question, what is it? Can you answer that? What is ministry? I know what we call ministry. You know what you call ministry? I'm going to tell you what you call ministry. You call ministry being a part of the praise team, the worship team, praise and worship, uh, choir. Uh, you call ministry being a musician, an usher, being an usher board, youth minister, audiovisual ministry, children's ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry. That's what we call ministry. Isn't it amazing that Jesus had none of that? Because he could have been talking about that because he didn't have it. Paul, who the Spirit of God spoke that through and wrote that, Paul didn't have any of that. How we call that ministry, and Paul never had a praise team. He never had a praise team. He never had audiovisual. He never had a, a, a youth pastor. They didn't have a, a men's ministry, no women's ministry. They didn't have a nursery ministry. You said, all of this stuff is not God. I did not say that. I'm telling you that God didn't have what we have in mind today as ministry. What? Jesus is the pattern. Now, what did Jesus call ministry? Let's go to the word of God, if you will. Let's look at some things. If Jesus being the head, and you got to understand what is the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? I did a message a couple of years ago in a conference that we had, uh, a DOMA conference. That's uh, uh, um, some ministers, uh, part of a, a ministerial team in which I uh, allowed to go dormant last year. I'm testing, I was testing everybody around me. And uh, we'll be starting back up this year, and I'm going to start going back full force. And uh, it was designed for all of us to be exposed to see where we were located. And just something about leaders. And, uh, and, and that was good for me because I'm going to share this with everybody on, on, on this broadcast uh, if we don't change, if God don't raise up a, a different caliber, quality, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. But let me let me let me, let me go to the scripture here because I don't want to get into all of that here. But um, uh, God is trying to do something with us, the church of the living God. I think I want to go to the book of. Um, let me see here. I think I want to go to the book of Matthew. I think here Matthew four. If I'm not mistaken, starts his ministry. I'm gonna go ahead and check it out and see uh, where do it start? Oh no, Matthew four. Well, this is the temptation really do start his ministry. Uh, Jesus begins his 
Galilean ministry. Now, you know after the wilderness of temptation, this is the pattern. The Spirit of God came upon him, went to the wilderness of temptation. There he proved himself to the kingdom of darkness by totally, 100% depending on God. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights in Matthew chapter 4. Notice he had no human aid, no human assistance. God said, this is my beloved son in whom will plead in Matthew chapter 3, the last three verses. Immediately the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then after the temptation and 40 days, he start, uh, leave and enter into his ministry. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, because this is how God prepares every legitimate man and woman of God. If you have not been prepared this way, you're not legitimate. And that's why I'm reexamining a, a lot of things. And even, even I, I share with my wife, I'm going, to, I'm going to be redoing some things with her. I'm going to be doing some, redoing some things with her. And, and, and I'm refocusing, re-governing every single thing. I am a pattern. What I just read to you and articulated to you, that's, that's what God did with me. My life is sort of like Abraham. God said, get out of your country. Leave, get out from your father's house. Go to a place you've never been before, which I've never been in Miami. I left blindly. I left obeying God. Came here. My greatest pain was here. My greatest trials was here in Miami. To the place where uh, uh, I lived on the streets for a while. Uh, God humbled me. He broke me. Jesus never called for human aid. I never called for human aid. Rescue me from my situation. Matter of fact, I never told anybody. Uh, I never told my parents. I never told my siblings. I never told anybody in the church, you know, uh, I'm out on the streets. I got no other place to go. No. God had brought me to the areas of faith, learning faith. It is word is real, his word is not real. And that's the problem right there. We got people that God has not become a reality to, preaching the gospel, leading people. I tell people this all the time. You share this with my, my spiritual, I got a spiritual daughter, she says this all the time. If you have not been processed, you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt people. I shared it. I shared this with another person that have. Uh, I shared this all the time. I said, if you have never served well and you have armor bearers, you're going to destroy somebody's life. I said, you're going to destroy somebody's life because your life is hypocrisy. You're trying to get somebody to serve you, but you ain't never legitimately served nobody. It don't work that way. It's through serving that you're processed. It's through serving that you develop. It's through serving that you mature. If you have never served in, in anyone and you're a leader, let me share something with you. You're going to be an abuser and a misuser because it's in serving. And matter of fact, not only are you going to be an abuser and misuser, what's going to happen is this right here. You will always be a novice. I don't care if you I don't care if you've been in ministry ministry fifty years, if you never served, you can have all the knowledge, all the gifting, but you'll be a novice internally because you was never internally fortified. That's why we have so many of us leaders, we so weak. And what I mean by that we cry, pout about anything. They can't take nothing, can't take no correction. And this is the majority, uh, uh, not majority. So many of the preachers I know personally, they can't take nothing, easily offended. Those are the individuals that has never served, but they got a revelation that God called them to the ministry. Almost every last one of them that I talked to, that's what they say. I got a revelation God, God called me to the ministry. You may have been called, but God never chooses a person based on the call. He only chooses you when you answer the call. When you answer the call, then he takes you through a season of processing, of developing you internally. Because he knows the external forces that's going to be coming against you. But if you're not fortified internally, if you're not strong internally, you're going to quit, you're going to give up, you're going to murmur, you're going to grumble, you're going to complain. Now, 
Let me ask those that's around me, that those that know me. Let me ask the person that lives with me and sleeps with me. All the all the years, we'll be married 26 years. And she see me go through major things in church and out of church, business-wise and with church folk. Let me ask her this question. And God hear me asking this question tonight. Have you ever seen me? Have you ever heard me complain about any single thing that I've ever gone through? She cannot say she have, because I know my faith is in God. I live that. I had that before I married her. I had a relationship with her with God before I married her. I was internally fortified before I married her. So that's how God processes you. It's not a preacher I'm in relationship with, not one. Can ever say they have ever heard me murmur, grumble, complain. Matter of fact, it's not a preacher I know can ever I know of that ever told them, man, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, man, I don't see how the people can do this, blah, blah. not one. If I ever share with any preacher that I may be experiencing something, I will always end, always end the conversation with, this is God, this ain't the devil. Because God would tell me. God would tell me. Not one person ever heard me complain about being challenged economically and how we not been that challenged economically, but not one person, not any of my board members, not any members of the church, not my wife, not my children. No human being has ever heard me complain about finances. You want to know why? Not even the devil himself, because I haven't done it. Either God is real or God is not real. You have to believe God. I got people right now. This is this is uh, uh, first fruit fruit season. First fruit season. I got people right now scared. And I was sharing it on my new members class. I said, "Listen, uh, um, um, matter of fact, we were right on that right now. I haven't really been able to get into my lesson because of the question has been asked concerning first fruits." I said, money is the very thing that God tested the heart of every person with. If God cannot trust you with money, the Bible says in, in the book of um, Luke chapter 16, who can, if, 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 if you cannot be trusted with unrighteous mammon, unrighteous mammon, unrighteous mammon, who will give you true riches? If you're struggling with money, it's already evidence that God cannot trust you. God cannot trust you. And if you know, and see, this is what bothers me. I asked a question to a preacher one time, uh, not too long ago. I said, if God showed you an area of your life that you operate in for his ministry, an area of ministry that you operate in, but he showed you that you're not ready for this ministry, you enter this ministry prematurely, I said, could you give it up? And they said to me, I think, I, I believe I could, but they lied to themselves because I already know they couldn't. Because I know that that's my gifting. I know they couldn't. And turns around, God proved it. God proved it. And watch it. Instead of thinking about it, God proved it, and the person still haven't come and said, "You know, I think I need to give all this up because we're more concerned about our image and looking good in the eyes of people, and we hurt people. We don't care. See, we don't care about hurting people. We just care about our image. As long as people think that I'm one way, I don't care if they get destroyed. As long as they believe that I'm, I'm this way, that's what we have. We have a lot of that." We have a lot of that. We hurt people. And 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 going back to this this this, this season that happens in the first part of the year is always first fruits. And 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 I shared with I shared with the people. I said I, I I don't do anything 
There's nothing I will ever tell you to do that I don't live. Our first fruits left last week to my bishop. People scared. And what that reveals, there is no dependency. There is no dependency upon God. Let me let me give you a scripture that came to my spirit right now. I was in a counseling session today, Kathy and myself was in a uh, in a counseling session and uh and God gave me this scripture to this person uh, who's in counseling with I, w- I want to give that to you. I want you to listen to this if you will. Uh Isaiah chapter thirty and verse fifteen. But I want you to listen to this is this is this is this is a problem right here. I want you to listen to it in the message Bible. I know it kind of probably sounds like I'm bouncing all over the place, but I'm prophetic in nature, so you can take it to the bank. God is speaking to a whole lot of folks that's in chat and a whole lot of folks that's online. got a lot of folks uh, uh, with us today. Now, so he's speaking to us. He's communicating to us. But I, I want you to listen to this, if you will. Isaiah 30, verse 15. God, the Master, the Holy of Israel, has this solemn counsel. Your salvation require, require, requires excuse me, you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourself. See, that, that, see when we're afraid to do what God tells us to do, when it comes down to, especially when it comes down to money, you are trying to save yourself. People that struggle paying tithes, people that struggle with first fruit, you are afraid to let God be God. You are taking matters into your own hand. You have become your own God. You refuse to allow God to become God. Listen to this, if you will. This is good. I love it. He said, your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourself. Your strength will come from sitting down in complete dependency on me. Wait a minute. My strength comes from how? Where? Sitting down in complete dependency on me. The very thing you've been unwilling to do, you said nothing doing. We'll rush off. On horseback. Well, that's, that's that's the next verse. That, that's it. So he said, "Why are you so unwilling to depend on me?" Well, I got a job. I got a bank account. I got some investment. God said, "No, no, 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 no." So what, what you just said is this right here. This next verse. It says it this way. He says, uh, the very thing you, you've been unwilling to do, you said, nothing doing. We'll rush off on horseback. You will rush off, all right, just not far enough, you said. We'll ride off on fast horses. Do you think your pursuers ride old ra- uh, nags? Think again. A thousand of you will scatter before one attack. Now, Usually we hear that word God said one would chase a thousand and two would chase ten thousand. Now He's telling the people here in Isaiah thirty, the children of Israel. He's telling those that that don't live in complete dependence upon Him. He says, He says, listen, I, I love it. He said, uh, uh, da, da. Do you think your pursuers ride on nags? Think again. A thousand of you will be scattered before one attacker. One. Instead of one uh, chasing a thousand, God says one would chase a thousand of you because you refuse to live in dependency upon me. So you riding, they riding on horses, you riding on your job. You banking on your job. You banking on your uh, bank account. You're banking on your investment. Now, when, when the market shifted in 2007, People depend on their pension. They lost everything. 
Their faith was in it. Their heart was broken. People committed suicide because there was no dependency upon God. God was not their source. God was not their source. And so, so now watch this right here. Watch this right here. How would you ever get to know God? And think about it. The people that are afraid is people that don't know God. They don't know God. And you can take this to the bank. God always put you in a situation to get to know him before he put a demand upon you to do something that's challenging for you. That's how you operate. And and so many of us leaders, so many of us leaders that's leading people, put a demand on people to do things that we don't live ourselves. That's what Jesus told the disciples about the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, everything that the scribes and Pharisees tell you to do, he said, do it. But don't do what they do. He said, do what they say. They're going to tell you to do the right thing, but they ain't doing it themselves. This is what we have leading the church, and this is why our church is this week. I'm constantly examining myself. When I missed it, I have stood up before my congregation many times. You know, I made a bad decision. The Lord dealt with me about this. The Lord dealt with me about that. I want to apologize to you. I don't do it for them. I do it for him, me and him. Not me and the church, me and him. It ain't about the congregation. It's about me and Jesus. The congregation can't, can't do nothing for me. It's Jesus is Lord. And that's what we have to lead the people into, living in dependence upon Jesus, trusting Jesus. Jesus saved, not the apostles, not the prophets, not the evangelists, not the pastor, not the teachers. Jesus saved. And we lead the people into the salvation of Jesus. We lead the people into an intimacy with Jesus, an intimate relationship with Jesus. But this is what we have. This is what we have. Uh, leading we're afraid to obey God. We're afraid to do what God tells us to do. But yet we'll turn around and put a demand on you. We'll tell you to step out and walk on the water when we ain't walked on the water. We tell you to pay your tithes when we don't pay our tithes. And here's another thing with us leaders. And if we do pay tithes, we don't do it right. Here's order again. I don't know what the Lord is getting on this thing tonight. My goodness, this was not my intention. But we do understand the Lord is trying to set you up for a blessing. And he can't bless you if you're unwilling. If you're unwilling to step out and do what the Bible says. And I believe this is a warning to a lot of people because God, this is our year. This is our season. This is our due season. And we are entering into it. God is trying to get you to get right. And more your heart than anything because money is the thing that dominates the majority of people's hearts. So he's trying to get you to release your heart to it. When your heart is released, everything has to be released. That means your family, your business, your church, your money, your health, your everything will be released. That's why a lot of people are stuck with money. Because money is their God. Because they believe that money can pay their bills, money can rescue them, money can pay the doctor bills, money can... Uh, no, no, no. God is the source of all things. He's God. I was sharing uh, with uh, uh, the people in the new members class. I'm teaching new members class now. I ain't done that in probably the beginning of this church. Uh, but God is... Uh, 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 restoring us, and so therefore we've got quite a few people that's coming. So I'm, I want to lay good foundation in, this, in, in the lives of the people. But listen to me. I was sharing with them. I said, we just went through a major transition. So many people left. The people leave, that means the tithes and offers are going to go down. I said, but we give 15% in missions. We've been doing this probably, I should, 15 years, a longer, but we ain't that long, uh, we ain't that old, but 15 years. 
we began at 15%. Regardless of the, of the major transition we went through, we, we stayed loyal and faithful to those people we made a commitment to, our missions. 15%. And, and watch this right here. Watch this right here. It wasn't 15% that came in. It was the 15% that we committed to when we was booming. So that means, uh, I didn't think about this right here. So that means we've probably been given 25%, 25 to 30%, because the income have not, in, uh, have not come back to where it was, not even close. But we still committed to those ministries, 15%. So we probably about 30% of our income going at the missions. Regardless of what we've gone through, we made a commitment. How many of y'all can do that? How many of you can do that? Make a commitment, and I don't look at it. I don't. I, don't, I ain't looking at nothing. I just believe God. I just trust God. And you want to know something? Somehow, it comes every month. It shows up in the bank. Some kind of way, we get it. And we've never been in the red in the history of this ministry on paper one time. I have never cried out to the congregation and said, listen, I need y'all to give me some money. Uh, we behind on the rent. I ain't going there. I am not going there. I ain't begging nobody for nothing. Panorama belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to me. If I do what I'm supposed to do, he church ain't mine. That ain't, that, uh, we're we not going there. Jesus is Lord. He said, supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ. He said, okay, then I, I, I trust you then. Then you're going to do this thing. He comes through. I never called up any of my preacher friends and said, listen, now, we've really been challenging. Can y'all can y'all uh, 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 send some offering to the church? Because we, you know, uh, we, we really got not one time. Not one time. And I've been challenged just as great as, as the average person has been challenged. But it's dependency upon him. That's the place we got to get, ladies and gentlemen. We got to come to the place that we live in total dependency upon him. He put you in that situation every day for us to depend upon him. Are we going to depend upon him? Are we going to be moved by the circumstances and situations and allow them to dictate and control our lives? If I don't live in dependence upon him, I can't lead you into it. Help equip you for work of ministry. Help equip you for work of ministry. Ministry have absolutely nothing. I suppose been reading reading something to you, wasn't that? I, I, I want to go somewhere in the book of Matthew concerning Jesus' ministry. Wilderness of temptation always first. Then your ministry start. Wilderness of temptation. That is to prove your character. Jesus stood on the word. He did not faint during the time of temptation, the wilderness of temptation. He did not forsake his relationship with God. He did not turn back from God. He did not run out of the wilderness that the Spirit of God led him into. The Spirit of God will lead you into the wilderness. You are not to lead the Holy Spirit out of the wilderness. He did not move until the Holy Spirit moved. The Spirit of God moved him, led him in. He stayed right there. Amen, because the Holy Spirit did not move. When the uh, season of temptation was up, then the Spirit brought him out in the power of the Spirit. Then he went into the temple. Then he opened up the book. Then he began to read Isaiah 61. Then he closed the book and said, what I just read, you see it standing before you. I am the fulfillment of this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, is anointed me to preach the gospel. And then we see him after that demonstrating. Then he starts demonstrating. Then he starts laying hands on the sick. Then he starts casting out devils. That is the kingdom. That's the order of God for all of us. Now, if, if that's the pattern, if I have not gone through that pattern, then I'm liking in something. So what we do, we get saved, and we jump, we bypass the wilderness and jump into the pulpit, and we start preaching. The wilderness is what empowers you. The wilderness is what empowers you. But we fast and we pray, give me power, give me power, give me power, give me power. 
the wilderness is what empowers you. The wilderness is what makes the word of God to become flesh. I'm going to say it again. The wilderness is what makes the word of God become flesh. When Jesus read the scripture and said, this book, uh, what I just read, has been fulfilled in your hearing. Although I am it. I am Isaiah 61. And he went out and demonstrated Isaiah 61. He starts setting the captives free. He starts setting the captives free. He starts delivering and setting people free. You said, but preacher, I, I, I deliver people, and, and I can't stop devil. I prophesy. Well, but is it you? So what do you mean, is it me? Well, Matthew 7 says, not everyone that comes unto me and says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. There's some that has prophesied in my name. There's some that are going to say, I cast out demons in your name. There's some going to say, I lay hands on the sick, and they got healed in your name. But he said, I'm going to tell them I never knew them. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. He said, what? Uh-huh. So you mean to tell me a person can do all that stuff and don't make? Well, I'm just reading what Scripture says. He said, I never knew you. You did that. You did it in my name, but it wasn't me. I got no glory out of that. See, if you've never been processed, you become a praise seeker, a glory seeker. I did a message ago called Glory Stillers. You become a stiller of the glory of Jesus. What you and I do, Jesus should get glory. But if I haven't been processed, I'm insecure. I need the praises of people. I need people to say thank you. I need the people to say, oh, that was an awesome word. How many of those preachers that can, that can and somebody will say, that's an awesome word. Oh, you're a great man of God. Oh, you're an excellent teacher. If you da, 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 da. How many of us can be so feel great because we knew we did exactly what the Lord told us to do? If you never got a thank you from another preacher. Trust me, many, many, many struggle with that. Because we have created a system. And not a, a lot of we so much created, but it's been created. We just fell right into it. A lot of us passed because our forefathers created it of dependency. I need the people to depend on me. I need the people to schedule a counseling session. I need the people to call me to the house and pray for them. I need the people to call me to the hospital and pray for them. None of that is biblical. Pastors running themselves ragged. Paul, what was what, what's the true ministry of an apostle? Found in Acts 6, prayer and the ministry of the word. How in the world we got apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that is not praying individuals? That's the fivefold. That's the headship. We are the ones that's the media on the behalf of the people. We the one is the we're the one that equipped the saints for the work of ministry. Ministry is not natural. Ministry is supernatural. The fivefold ministry gift, and Jesus gave, uh, uh, Captain Captain gave gifts to men. Those gifts are supernatural gifts. So the equipment must be supernatural. It's not ushering. If you're going to be, I believe every usher should be supernatural. I believe every psalmist should be supernatural. I believe every musician should be supernatural. We've got more demons in, in, in the music ministry than probably any other ministry in the church. I believe a nursery worker should be supernatural. I believe a youth leader should be supernatural. Anything that's dealing with the church should be supernatural. But how many natural people is leading a supernatural entity? We're natural, we're carnal. We'll move by what we see, hear, smell, taste, and feel. Boy, I tell you, I really don't know what the Lord is doing with this broadcast today. Because none of this was my intentions, but it usually be like that. When something is not my intentions, pure, well, I'm to God. Have my little thing that I'm ready to share. And he just blows right on it. That's okay with me. I've been doing this for years. But I know the Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is answering some questions. And I know the Lord is always challenging. I always understand this right here, too. A true, I won't say a true, but a mature apostle, one of his number one job is order. It's 
to bring order, to establish order. The, the church is built upon the ministry of the apostle and the prophet. Lay foundation. Bring order. And usually, I'm apostolic and prophetic in nature. I, I was called to the office of a prophet who I became, uh, was called to the office of an apostle. But there's always going to be conviction. When you look at the prophets of old, great conviction. They spoke the heart and the mind of God. They wasn't afraid of the people. And, and, and a lot of them got killed because of that. Well, my time is up. I pray that the Lord has spoken something to you and challenged you in some kind of area. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Father, I just thank you for your great people that you have challenged today. I pray that the spirit of living God will move upon all of us, O God, and bring us to a place of intimacy with you. I thank you for the restoration of the reverential fear of God, grace enough to fear God more than any human being upon the face of the earth. Lord God, we thank you for causing the church into kingdom order. We thank you, Lord God, for men and women that you're raising up in this last hour, Lord God, that you've taken through the wilderness of preparation, Lord God. Now, Lord God, you're bringing us in the season that you're raising us up in there, getting ready to manifest in the earth realm. Men and women that love not their life even unto the death, of God, they will serve you, Lord God, even if it means death, for God. You have delivered men and women that is delivered from this realm, delivered from dependency upon man, dependency upon this realm, but they live in total dependency upon the Father, just like Jesus lived in dependence upon the Father. Foxes has holes, but the Son of Man don't have a place to rest his head. But he wasn't concerned about a place to rest his head. He was concerned about executing your divine and perfect will. And we thank you for this. This is the caliber and quality of the leaders that you're raising up in this last hour, Lord God. Supernaturally, Lord God, you're providing for them. Supernaturally, Lord God, you're taking care of them. Their mind is on the things of the kingdom, and Lord God, and allowing you to put your mind on their stuff. And we thank you. We praise you, Lord God, that you're raising up men and women that are seeking first the kingdom of God, the invisible realm of God, to, and you are causing, O oh God, to, the things of this realm, the things that is visible, to be added unto the men and women who seek in the invisible, Lord God. The men and women that seek in the invisible, Lord God, to, will exercise their dominion over the visible realm, even as Jesus did tell bread and fish, O oh God. He blessed it, broke it, and gave it, and then multiplied. To, we're getting ready to see, O oh God, a supernatural multiplication in the different areas of life in Jesus' name because of men that is living, in, men and women, who's living in total dependency upon you, Lord God, they are no longer afraid of the challenge of the natural of God because they know that their Father is greater and they know that they are greater because the Father is greater. And because the Father is greater, they know they are greater because they're one with the Father and the Father is one with them. We thank you for this caliber of men and women that you're raising up, O oh God. We break the powers of fear off of the men and women of God in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, we break the spirit of idolatry in Jesus' name, trusting in idols, even if idols themselves, or money themselves, or their jobs, or their business, or their investment, or their bank accounts. Lord God, let idolatry be eradicated and annihilated tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let it be broken and let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall upon your sons and daughters, O oh God, shaking and stirring and driving out. O oh God, every work of darkness has been assigned to incarcerate us. We say not so in Jesus' name. Use God's people now in the name of Jesus. I command your mind to be liberated. I command your heart to be liberated. I command your soul to be liberated. I command your body to be liberated. Now in the name of the Lord Jesus, let the fire of God consume. Every work of darkness has been blocking and barricading your people, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. I call their spirit free. I call their soul free, their mind free, their heart free. I call their bodies free in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Lord God, let the boldness of Christ, the courage of Christ, be made manifest in their spirit, their soul, their heart, their mind. We thank and we praise for your sons and daughters walking courageously. Come to the place, O oh God, that they deny themselves, take up the cross. They're willing to follow you in this last hour, in this last time, O oh God. Let your blessings, O oh God, your supernatural blessings fall upon them because, O oh God, they are no longer afraid. They are no longer afraid of this realm. They're no longer afraid of losing anything because they know they can't lose nothing. They know that you are their source. They know that you are their source. They know that you are their source, O oh God. And we thank you, Lord God Almighty, for the manifestation of the supernatural because they trust in you. They are depending totally on you, Lord God Almighty. And we give you glory for it. And we give you honor and give you praise. And we seal these awesome men and women of God with the atoning blood of Christ. And I speak, decree, and declare the miracle flow in your life. I'm going to say it again. I speak, decree, and declare the miracle flow in your life. One more time. 
I speak, I decree, and I declare the miracle flow in your life. And the devil cannot stop it. And I come against every enemy of your miracle in the name of Jesus. I call down the judgment of God upon the enemy of your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus. I command the enemy of your miracle to turn on each other now in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank God for angelic assistance. I speak it, decree, and declare it to be so, and I seal you now by the atoning blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, with the Master Key. Uh, those of you who do not know and understand, uh, know about our last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prayer line of the month, amen, you can go to our website concerning that. Get all that information, if you will. Be with us. Amen. Call your family and friends. Be with 5.30 a.m. the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let's believe God for an explosive move of the Holy Ghost on that line. 5.30. Be there. Get your family and friends all over the nation and even in other countries. You can get them on that line. And we're going we're gonna to break the double amen back. Amen. And we're going to break through on your behalf by the Spirit of God and the grace of God. God bless you. We love you. Appreciate you. And thank God for you. I uh, look forward to being with you on tomorrow at 6 to 7. God bless you.